Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Pretty good. It's been a couple of weeks since it's just been the two of us on on the mics. I know. It's nice to have the house to ourselves again. Yep. <laughs> yes, but those, but they've been some really good interviews. They have. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the right guest is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I loved, especially like I, I thought Len killed it. That was a that was such a good chat. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yep. And like getting a peek inside the the Stripe Land was awesome mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So with with Shreyas, yeah. I'm, I like our sort of cadence of like mostly you and me, and then occasionally mixing in the right people. And it just like also is like <laughs> this is the classic podcaster life hack of like well i have this problem and i know this person is an expert so let me write, bring them on my podcast and ask them questions yep yep i like it it's having a little bit of a platform is uh, just so useful mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah it just, it just works you like the interview interview apps I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that you have done most of the kind of recruiting and prep for those because I have, I've not felt like I've had totally the bandwidth to, um, to do my own guest recruiting in the last, last couple of months. So thanks for holding, holding that end down. Uh, I'm always like, I hope Derek doesn't get mad that I'm inviting random people oh, no. on our podcast. We have a pretty open policy here yeah. on the art of product. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, but please do not reach out to us and pitch us on your guest. No, 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 no. I, that's the worst. I don't know about you, but I, that's been happening more lately. And I'm sure it's coming from a good place, but, you know, <laughs> kind of, uh, it's not really our jam. So, yep, exactly. It's more of an outbound than inbound process. So I am in the hiring hinterlands. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going through going. the desert. Mm hmm. I realize hiring sucks. <laughs> it's so hiring sucks for the same reason that dating sucks, which is it's mostly failure. Like you're mostly not finding the right people and it has the same amorphous. You don't know when you'll be done quality. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and you can't always just sort of redouble your efforts and like make it work. And these are the projects with which I have the most trouble. Cause like, I, it's like, okay, if I know what needs to be done, I can force myself to double down and do it if I'm feeling, you know, resistance to it. But often the, the forward path is not totally clear. Um, and this is particularly true for this head of sales role that I'm hiring for, which is my sort of, which is my top priority right now. It's partly because I just don't, I don't know this world. I don't have a network in it. So it's, it's trickier than usual. Like if we really needed an engineer, I would be like, okay, yeah, I, I can, I got this, but this one's much, much more vague. Yeah. Yeah. So are you doing this all on your own at this point or have you enlisted the help of like, um, like a recruiter or someone to handle that, that end it's, of things? Yeah. Yeah. It's changing. I thought I would talk a little bit about what I, what I have done to try to tame this, this project. So the first thing was job description and the job description actually was really hard it sounds just like yeah write a job description but it's like well there's so many questions that come up like I, I took me i took me a lot of hours to do this and it wasn't just like writing really it was more like it's like well what do you want to hire like what what is this person going to do what should their title be well the answer to that requires you to know a lot of things like where do you want the company to go do you want to find someone who will just sort of do the individual contributor tasks that I don't want to do? Do I want someone to own the whole department and hire individual contributors? Could I see us with 
a sales team of four people. Do we like that? Is there opportunity there? But do you want to take that opportunity? So it's like all these questions as always, God damn it, keep coming back to like, well, what do you want? You know, what, what kind of company do you want? What are your goals? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. So I yep. can't even start with the title of the person I'm trying to hire <laughs> until like, I can't write the first line of the job description. I can't write the H1 until I figure out and clear with Joel and Spencer and build a shared consensus of like, what kind of company are we building and what do we want to do? And so like everything is a a damn vision quest (laughs) 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 where we have to know like this long-term answers and goals to to figure out what the next step is. So it's been a journey. Um, (laughs) But after a lot of, you know, all of that journeying and ayahuasca, um, I think we have settled on sort of the initial direction and and plan and all that. So we want to hire a head of sales. We're not looking so much for an individual contributor, although they will start as an individual contributor. We're looking for someone to eventually grow a sales organization because it seems like there's enough opportunity there that we could support that kind of effort. It's likely to be to work, I think. We want to run the kind of company where we do that. Um, We can have a good culture around that and and feel good about bringing those kind of people in. Okay, so fine. We want to head of sales. Great. All right, so that kind of answers the title. But then, you know, what will this person do? Are they going to hire people right away? What are their responsibilities? Like it's, man, it, it just, it, I can't believe how much it took out of me to write <laughs> four job descriptions over the last couple of weeks. It was, yeah. it was kind of agonizing. Yeah. I got one I was happy with. And then I started sharing it around and shopping it around. Not to candidates really, but to people that we n- sort of know and, and think are probably good at sales. And so, like, I don't have a big network here, but we know a couple people. Spencer knows some people. Joel knows some people. I know some people. It's, like, not a lot, but just enough where we could share the thing with them, get some feedback. I have some friends who have hired salespeople before. Like, so my founder network was kind of useful here. So did a lot of iterating on that. And, like, there was some consistent feedback. People were like, oh, I hate this part. This makes it sound like you're not taking this seriously. You're like, you're like you know, there, was, there was some pretty consistent feedback, which was useful. Kept iterating on that. Finally got to the point where people were pretty consistently saying this is good and now we're on the sort of next stage which is okay how do we get this in front of good candidates and so i started doing some of this myself manually hopping on linkedin searching for companies i admire trying to connect with people with sales in their title at these companies dming them the questions things like that and i was like okay like yeah i could do this um maybe i should keep doing some of this but there are clearly people that are better at this than I am and have existing networks and are not starting from scratch and consensus from talking to friends and other people was that like, yeah, in the sales world, recruiters are a very common and and workable path, which is a bit of a surprise as an engineer um, who's used to, you know, ignoring recruiters. It's like, no, no, salespeople talk to recruiters and, you know, they get jobs through them and it's, it works, Mm -hmm. which is actually, to be honest, kind of great news for me. Because it's like, okay, great. I can enlist help people that just do this all day and, you know, know how to do it and all that. Mm -hmm. I think that even applies to engineer roles. Like we had, we had a recruiter or two at, at drip. And when we were just trying to grow the product team from like a couple of people, you had a recruit, like on your team, you had a recruiter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, in-house recruiter. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Yep. When that must've been post acquisition. That was post acquisition. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We inherited them from, from the lead pages team. 
I mean, they're obviously like very good at their job and not like the classic, like when you see like the tone deaf recruiter who sends cold outreach to, to DHH recruiting him for a Ruby on rails job. Like <laughs> they're actually like really good at, at building the network. They got, you know, going to local meetups cause we were hiring mostly locally. And so like they had kind of done that networking and they were like really, you know, awesome people and, and good at their job. And so that was that was a really big help when we were trying to find engineers like them just kind of doing the initial phase of like putting the job posting in the right place and screening people. And then only like once people once they make it past their screening, then kind of forwarding them along to me and Rob. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah. And so you, so you had good results with that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we found some really great, really great talent and like we didn't have to spend, you know, all day for weeks like doing all that legwork ourselves. This just keeps getting back to the the Jason Cohen thing about like if you don't respect a certain position, then you probably just haven't worked with someone good who does that job. So yeah, like I guess my my perception of rec- engineering recruiting is definitely colored by you know lame outreach that I've gotten. But yeah, if you have someone good in house that knows what they're doing, I, I that yeah that makes sense. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I would like to work with these with recruiters if this this works because I don't I don't think this my natural proclivities don't lend themselves to the type of long-term recruiting, stay in touch with people, send lots of emails, do networking kind of things so much. So yeah, so that's, that's the phase we're at in the head of sales thing. I've scheduled calls with a few different people that do this that were recommended through my network. We have one great salesperson that Joel knows has interviewed, has volunteered to sit in on interviews when we do start interviewing candidates, which I think is, which is really cool and very generous of him the consistent theme has kind of just been like get help Mm -hmm. i don't feel like i would totally know what the best questions to ask in an interview for a head of sales would be yeah it's tricky when you're hiring for a role that you don't intimately know yourself it's one thing if you're like i'm an engineer and now i'm building out my engineering team you know it's different i've had a few people warn me like people in sales are good at selling so they will probably be charming and you know personable on the call so you know just be careful be aware of that like you're going to probably like them uh, but it doesn't mean they're great at their job. So <laughs> Beware, you might part like of, them. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, you know, they're, yeah. they're good at some of it, I guess. I told Joel the other day, I feel like I've, I've kind of turned the corner on this where I was feeling really stressful and amorphous and uh, hard to deal with. And now I feel kind of like, okay, I think we have a plan. I, I realized that like companies have done this before. People have done this before. This is a thing that can be done. Like, I don't think we're going to just like be like, oh, you're just, you're just, just impossible. Oh no. And throw your hands up. I think it's hard, but you know, we'll, I think we'll figure it out. And also, I've gotten some feedback from a few people that this is a pretty great opportunity, actually. Like, this is this is kind of a dream role for the right person. It's something I've heard a couple times now. Because we have this product that is quite liked and has, is selling itself pretty well. A lot of customers, the retention is good. If you come and add a really great salesperson to this, uh, maybe this kind of blows up. Uh, this it's it's fairly fertile ground it also makes me feel like okay i'm not i'm doing a hard process but i have allies and i can sort of recruit help in it and the thing we're selling seems pretty good Mm -hmm. right yeah there's low-hanging fruit here to to capture for someone who who knows how to take a really good product to a market and and sell it I think I feel like a lot of sales-driven products that are like software products that are really, really successful, they don't necessarily have like very good software. Like it's just they're really good at selling it, and you happen to have like 
really high quality software and where you're deficient right now is is in that kind of that sales piece of it. So yeah, I think it is a really good opportunity. I read an interesting tweet, maybe from David Sachs or somebody, and it was he was talking about sort of different kinds of companies that you can form or different like and what you sort of need to focus on. So you can have sort of a sales led company where it's like, you know, the way this company is gonna work is that we've got incredible sales talent and leadership and an acceptable product that, you know, does does the job. And, you know, we we win by outselling. Uh, but there's also like product-led growth kind of companies where it's like the, we have it. We make a great product. We focus on the product. We add sales. We layer on sales on top of that, um, and sell it in like a bottom-up kind of fashion. And I was like, oh yeah, that's that's totally us. It's like product is the thing I really care about and I really like and I like focusing on. We've built a good product and we can layer sales onto that. And like we have this sort of bottom-up adoption, so we can kind of start with a, a couple devs at a company and work our way up and expand and do bigger deals and. The thing I want to focus on and the way I want to work is a tenable business model <laughs> and, and, and works. So do you feel like primarily right now your main like sales need is handling like inbound, like companies that are come reaching out to you and like clicking the call for enterprise pricing button? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. People starting that process like that um, or just like, wow, we have a bunch of users at big company does anyone talk to them? Like we should, we should make sure that they're happy and that we, you know, maybe they want to formalize a relationship. And this happens pretty frequently where like it'll, someone will sign, like a couple of devs will sign up, they'll use it. They'll get to like maybe 10 or 12 or 20 people. And they're like, Ooh, we should move this to uh, our manager's credit card. And they do that. And then it keeps expanding and they go, Oh, we should, we got to tell purchasing and like put, put this on a PO because we, we can't spend more than X per month on a credit card or something. And it's like, okay, now we're, we're sort of in the, the sales process. So yeah, it's it's basically all bound, all inbound at this point. I think switching to something where there was outbound stuff would be a pretty big change. Like that's like a, not a small, a small difference, but that's okay. I, I think, so I sort of had this feeling like, oh no, how can we do sales if we don't also agree to like, you know, start writing cold emails or something. But my plan right now is let's supercharge this bottom up growth thing. So like, let's also hire in marketing and let's get lots of trials and lots of small teams trying it and let, let's get good at helping them expand and, and move up and try to generate enough leads and interest and work for sales to do um, that way rather than trying to start from scratch and do a kind of a sales led approach. It's more like we're going to lead with marketing and making it easy to get into the product and people having early success and customer success. And that will hopefully we'll keep sort of ramping on that machine, which will hopefully generate more and more leads for sales, which then hopefully generates more and more big enterprise deals. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Like, yeah, it seems like you in looking for this person, you want someone who has more of the inbound type experience and not someone who like knows the playbook of, you know, building out a team of BDRs and like, <laughs> like going and doing a bunch of a whole outbound strategy. Right. Um, exactly. Yep. Yeah. 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 I, I think those are actually quite, quite different different personalities, different skill sets, um, all that. So yeah, I think we're going to want to make sure we have some alignment there. Mm -hmm. Well, eventually after post-acquisition, we had salespeople um, at Drip. But like before that, we kind of got closer and closer into the sales territory just via customer success. So like we we found that you know some people could just sign up for Drip and start using it and they were totally happy. Other people had questions. They wanted to learn more. They really wanted a demo and then like, so we started, Rob initially was doing those and like sending videos to people and like Loom videos and stuff like that. And then 
And then it was like, okay, I think we need to have someone dedicated on this. And so that's when we hired Anna and she was doing, she's helping with some, some like more like white glove support type stuff, doing onboarding, doing demos for people. And she's kind of a stocked calendar doing that kind of stuff. And it was like helping people who are already coming through the door and wanting to use the product and apply it to more complicated situations and stuff like that. And so sort of like she sort of served a, a sales role in the sense of like she was helping people be successful with the product. And that's, I feel like that's sort of where, where sales aligns with a product led or product driven company. It's like just helping people who are coming in to be more successful with it and work out all the, you know, financial details of, of how to get onboarded and stuff. Totally. Yeah. I, I think this is kind of like, it's like a sales slash success position, or it's like, it could be the first person that we, that this person hires is like someone on the success side. Yeah. It's totally the case that, you know, large companies sign up, maybe get started, but maybe don't. Um, people get kind of stuck for random reasons. Maybe they need a poke. Maybe they, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, a lot that could be done there. And so you turn the thing that isn't really a possible viable sales deal into something that is, or at least a happy, you know, self-pay customer, that kind of thing. Uh, I can't wait to have these positions filled. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. I bet. (laughs) I, I really do feel like my happy place and like where I'm at my best is high level direction of really good people thinking about broad things and and product really just like get, getting back to like okay how does it work how does it look what's next on the roadmap that kind of thing that's where i'm happiest job ads interviews you know less so so uh so you want to try to avoid being in the perpetual hiring phase oh my gosh like- yes <laughs> I, hope so. I would love to do that so yeah so getting help on recruiting is is useful and great um excited about that and then yeah i'm kind of hoping that we like okay expand here add these roles and then let's chill for a little bit, you know, like get out of hiring mode. Or if we hire more people, maybe it's like, okay, if we're going to hire in sales, let's have this new head of salesperson. You were in charge of hiring. That'll be nice. Well, I'm, I'm kind of contending with similar like stuff I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks in the realm of like hiring, actually. So I sort of feel like I've hit a couple different like crossroads for like back to that question of like, what are my ambitions for the company? What kind of company do I want to build? And I'm in a similar similar place where like, yeah, it feels like I'm constantly having to evaluate that and it is exhausting, you know? It's also compounded with the fact that like, I think I've talked about these on the podcast because we've been podcasting for a long time together, but I get these uh, things called cluster headaches. That's like a, it's been like two years since I had a spell of them. And they don't really know, doctors don't really know much about them, but they just kind of, when when you get like, a little season of them. They, for me, they usually last a couple of weeks and it's pretty debilitating. Like I wake up in the middle of the night generally with, with them. So it's really impacting sleep. And of course it's painful. And so it's has sort of thrown me into a little bit, like just feeling stressed just because it's like, Oh, how long is this going to last? How much is it going to impact my productivity? And just my, it's given me a little bit of like a, a negative outlook on, on something. So it's like, I'm thinking about some some weighty decisions with like where to take the company, how to grow it and grow it on the people front. But also like it's when you're dealing with something on the side like this headache stuff, it's like hard to make sound decisions because I think they're probably being biased a little bit by the fact that like things that I would otherwise just feel like, yep, that's a, that's a worthy challenge of taking on just feels like a huge like, ah, it's going to be so much work and it's it's a little bit paralyzing that's kind of a conflating factor, but basically I can share more details about this later on, but I have 
I'm taking some some investment dollars that are strategic <laughs> from a friend, industry partner, um, someone that's kind of has a, a good, it's going to have a good symbiotic relationship with Savvy Cal. And what that's going to enable me to do is be a little bit more aggressive with with hiring. Like the idea is to get some help on the in, on the development front to kind of free me up to still contribute on on that. Like I'm not envisioning stepping away from the code completely, but be able to move a bit faster on that front and then also spend spend more of my time on like, you know, higher level like business things and working more on growth strategies and stuff like that. So that's what I'm thinking through. But I I was kind of sitting, kind of trying to strategize on this a little bit. And I think I've been alluding to this for a while. Like my my plan has been to try to stick with contractors only. Like like potentially do like what Rand Fishkin's doing or kind of Sahil Gun Road, you know, where it's like this kind of alternative model of like you hire people who are their own, you know, companies of one or freelancers or whatever. And it kind of keeps the relationship not quite as formalized and and you don't have to, it saves a lot of the headaches of like of HR and management in that respect, because you're just sort of like, we're just two businesses that are work partnering together, working on this thing and we're transacting, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a simpler arrangement. And it's sort of what I'm doing with Corey right now. Corey's running his own thing, but he's also doing growth and marketing for me and it's, it's working well. Right. And I was thinking about like the early days of drip. It was just me and Rob, started out like we would meet up in coffee shops then i would go you know we would sit in his backyard on his back patio and <laughs> and work on stuff then we got a tiny little office that had a couple of big old whiteboards and we would just like spend hours in front of the whiteboard just like thinking through like where to take the product and and shaping features and all that like high fidelity stuff that happens in that situation we kind of averaged like three-ish days together in the same room two days remote and it was always flexible like if we were traveling or whatever like no big deal and then we kind of slowly grew the team out and had a couple developers. Uh, Anna was in the office, you know, and it was really, really fun. That was a really fun time. And it felt like the right thing for the business. And it felt like we were like, I'm trying to imagine going through that phase and being more in the, you know, the 2021 <laughs> style of working where like everyone is just remote and you're always hiring people who are not in your same locale because you go where the talent is and not optimize for, for in-person. And to me that, that approach honestly just sounds a lot less fun and it sounds like it might be a disservice to the company like too, you know, it's, it's harder to facilitate that same, that magic that happens when you're, when you're together in the same room, I'm feeling a pretty strong pull towards like, I actually think I want to try to find my first developer in my city <laughs> and just go like more traditional, like, yep. You work full time for me. We we sit in a room together a couple days a week. Maybe get a co working space, you know, subscription somewhere nearby, and just kind of do it old school. Interesting. That's that's cool. Yeah. Uh, are you just doing this because you don't want to pay for a tuple subscription? <laughs> no. Yeah, I have a tuple subscription. Actually, I'm. I think I'm on your plan. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think you're, yeah, that's right. yeah. No, that's that's interesting. Wow. I have a lot of questions. How's the dev scene where you are? Do you feel like you can find someone? good in your area you know having been like hiring in the in the twin cities for for a while at drip like there's people i have in the back of my mind of like oh people i haven't talked to in a while but like you know what i wonder what i wonder what that guy's up to like i think i could you know there's, there's a short list in my head of like people that i feel like i already kind of had developed relationships with a little bit back when i was more going to tech meetups and stuff and trying to like find look for talent locally so i would say it's not huge here um compared to other you know, tech hubs, 
but there are developers. And that's the other question in my mind. It's like, we always talk about like, we got to find the best. And it's like, I think I can find really talented, good engineers here for sure. I mean, could I find someone who's like a, even more of a quote unquote 10X developer somewhere else? Like maybe, I don't know, but that's partially like part of the benefit of hiring local is having that local interaction. And so I think, I don't know if I'm so concerned about finding the quote best in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to Joel yesterday about, so we, I posted these jobs and they all say remote, but it's like Joel and I actually just got a co-working space to work out of an office. And I was like, if someone lived nearby or wanted to live nearby, would we tell them they couldn't come into the office? No, I don't think we would. And so I think I'm just going to update them and say remote, or if you want, come work in Somerville. And I expect that remote will probably end up being the option. I'm not against local people. And like, like you, I, I really thrive on the in-person interaction. So like if Joel wasn't willing to like work in person, I would be, you know, far less happy. Uh, if there are other people like that, I'd, I want to give them that option if that's what they want too. I respect your decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. like that you thought about it and, you know, have just decided kind of what you, what you're trying to do and what you want. Yeah. I feel like it's pretty much a set decision at this point, but I haven't yet. Like I'm still like, hovering on like actually making steps towards doing that like i haven't fully locked in like all right let's let's start this process of like trying to you know hitting up my network here and trying to like you know start that process i'm just like i'm hesitating to do it because it does it feels like a bigger deal like this will most likely be an an fte like a w w2 uh position as opposed to a, a contractor and that is that is a weightier decision uh for the for the other party too to like they probably have a really, you know, sweet job right now that's paying them well. So, like, to come work for me, it's I'm respectful of the weight that that carries with it, and it's more, it is more a bigger deal than than just like a contractor relationship. So, then, do you think you will require all future employees to be in person? I don't know. I think doing hybrid is really hard. We contended with that a little bit at Drip. Like, we mostly hired anyone new was was pretty much in. Minneapolis, but we still had some original team members who were in Fresno or the Bay Area, one guy in Oakland. It was very difficult because, you know, we would sit around a table and plan stuff and then we would like set prop a laptop up and have them call in. And it was just like not, it was not as smooth, you know, and it always like there was a, a pretty strong burden to like think about how to, how to sort of try to level the playing field so that they didn't feel like they were part of the other and so we would do things like hold Zoom meetings where even though like most of us were in the same office, we would just all get on the Zoom call so that we were all we were all just a square on the screen and not like, you know. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting challenge. I'm most concerned about like working with the core product team in person. I think like the support function, I'm still feeling pretty, um, pretty optimistic about like outsourcing that piece to the to a company where they handle the the kind of the HR side and managing the actual people doing the support and I just get to work with them, you know? I feel pretty good about that still. Like, I don't feel like support has to be in person. But for the people who are actually creating the product, I just think there's so many benefits to it. Joel and I are together in person. Spencer is almost always remote. Mikey is full-time remote. We are sort of hybrid-y, I guess. I agree hybrid presents challenges, but there's challenges with everything. Like everyone remote is also a challenge. Everyone in person is also a challenge. So it's like there's there's no perfect system here. So I, I don't know. I could see us being kind of hybridy, 
it's it's tricky yeah one other thing i've noticed about myself trying to be as self-aware as possible like being on zoom calls is exhausting to me because for a lot of the reasons everyone has realized like zoom fatigue is a real thing you know and i think probably partially the being an introvert you know it's like it just sucks energy out of me to be on zoom calls and one thing i've in thinking back to like my in-person team interactions like it didn't have that same effect i think because it was just like being in person is just different and you still get a lot of the high fidelity like benefits of what what kind of zoom is trying to replace for for remote teams but like for me it like it doesn't suck the <laughs> suck the life out of me so it's like i'm i'm aware of that too and it's like it's it's hard to think about signing up for something where it's like you know if we do want to try to have some of that higher fidelity communication it's going to be have to be through a medium that drains me it's hard to commit to that you know um, yeah totally you're making me think deep questions <laughs> yeah and it's so funny like as the world is increasingly shifting towards like everything being like default remote it's it's kind of funny where i kind of feel like i'm i've been in that realm for a long time and now i feel like i'm almost like <laughs> starting to appreciate more the other uh the other side of it of like actually i think there are a lot of uh there actually are a lot of merits to being in person and it's funny like i just feel like i'm kind of got, i'm moving in the opposite direction of what what the trend is right now um mm-hmm. i'm thinking back to some like less than great interactions i've had work-wise and wondering like if we were working in person next to each other would this have gone better i'm like yeah i think possibly there's some of those would have gone better what a topic so okay so we gotta rewind we gotta pop back up the stack a bit why are you raising money <laughs> yeah i mean i've i've been saying for the longest time like no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna raise more and basically i was i was kind of approached by a friend who basically said like look we see a lot of our company trajectory in you and we think you're doing you're building an awesome product and that has a lot of potential we also think that like for you to go through the hoops of like fundraising right now like even though it wouldn't necessarily be that laborious because there's a lot of people who have who have casually expressed interest in like angel investing in savvy cal you know it would still require like putting together a deck and figuring out legalities of it and trying to like kind of shop it around to people and there would just be you know work involved with that and they basically said like we want to we want to help you out we think this is like at the stage you're at this this would be really helpful to you to just have more cash in the bank to be able to to make a hire or two but we also know how big of a distraction like going out and trying to like proactively fundraise can be and so I was like you know what that makes that makes a ton of sense and it also makes sense because it aligns incentives align like i have plans to integrate with with this product already and so it's like this this really sets us up to be you know striving towards the same goal of like i think your customers would really like my product i think my customers would really like your product and we can grow together and since they have skin in the game now it just makes all the more sense that was a big factor for me if it was someone else who just who didn't have that that strategic piece and it was just money, I would probably be much less compelled to to do it. So I think that that was a big piece for me is like it it made sense on both of those fronts. I'm trying to push myself to get outside of the the kind of scarcity mindset of like just because you're quote unquote bootstrapping or I'm like kind of a hybrid whatever you call it indie SaaS whatever the term you want to put on it you know doesn't mean you have to like 
always be super strapped and stressed out and scraping by and doing things suboptimally. Like sometimes there's a time to just like <laughs> go back to conventional business wisdom and spend other people's money, especially when it's a very willful transaction of like, nope, we want you to, we want to give you money and we want you to spend it to reinvest into your company. I've been on this journey and first step was taking money from tiny seed and getting outside of the like the pure bootstrapping mindset. And it's like, no, it's actually okay to do this because taking this money doesn't mean that I'm suddenly on a unicorn trajectory with all those requirements. You know, when they came to me, I mean, I, it's very clear that they are not expecting this to be like, this is not a seed round to lead to a series a, like they would be perfectly happy with a more um, modest growth trajectory, I think. So what kind of vehicle are you using for this? Like what kind so of it's going to be a, it's going to be a safe. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Can you share like the percentage of the company that you're doing with this? Approximately a couple percent, a couple, a couple percent. percent. Okay. Yep. Right. Single yep. digits. Yep. Single digits for sure. I think it'll make sense to, to more like formally announce like this actual, like the details around this. And I'm not sure how much of the actual details that I'll share from the transaction. Just haven't thought that through. So I'm being going to be a little bit coy about it, but um, yeah. It's nice to have that incentive alignment. That's pretty awesome. They feel happy recommending you. They're sending you customers. They're getting effectively some of that benefit of sending you customers. I see why companies do this. It's like, we've got some cash. Why not invest in partners if, you know, that we and like build a stronger relationship with them? Yep. It's pretty savvy. If you ask me. <laughs> yeah. This is why we, we bought a few percent of Zoom the other day. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 Smart. <laughs> yeah. Why development? Why is that your first hire? I think it's safe to say that that I'm also aspiring to build a product-driven, product-centric company. And I see so much opportunity to, like, one, there's just a lot of catch-up work to to do. Like, I'm working on, um, you know, more team stuff. And I really see that as the big, big area for growth is, like, fleshing out team functionality. Because it's, like, one-on-one scheduling is still, a, it's a headache. And we have that pretty well solved. But it's, like, it really gets interesting when you start, thinking about like how to how to make you know many to many people be able to um, find times to meet together and like covering like things like the round robin use case for sales teams or customer success teams and like that's where it gets interesting from the revenue perspective in terms of like you know per seat pricing expansion revenue all that jazz but also like it's just all that more valuable if you can really solve some of that more complicated multi-person scheduling stuff and all that is just quite it's kind of explodes in complexity when you start dealing with team stuff and permissions and on and on and on. It just gets more complicated. So there's a ton of work in that area. There's a bunch of integrations we want to build. There's more calendar integrations. So I can just see this, this massive body of work in front of me. And it's like the faster I can get this stuff done, the better the product can perform in the market. And so I feel like that's, that's, we're sort of constrained by how quickly we can, we can produce um, on the product front right now. Makes sense. Yep. Yep. I mean, it seems like you're shipping quite quickly to me for what it's worth from the outside. At least try to like, um, try to keep people's, uh, sense of momentum, you know, uh, who are watching, try to keep that, keep that up. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of which we have a big release coming on Monday that I'm pretty, pretty stoked about. Ooh, nice. It's the uh, three player mode. A lot of, a lot of quality of life improvements in this release. I think it's going to be a good one. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, interesting things are happening. 
Yeah. Ongoing, ongoing conversation as always. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Good radio, I think. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it. Cool. Notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See you.